can't be Sherlock Holmes. He's dead. Is he, Norman? I doubt it. But if you were to say to me tomorrow, Sherlock Holmes is dead. The instrument of death was a spider. There's no doubt about it, Lestrade. And the bite of the creature drove these pajama suicides to kill themselves. Look out, Watson! Those insects are deadly. Welcome back to The Bloody Pit. I am Rod Barnett, and with me are our usual stalwarts as we tackle the Sherlock Holmes movies from Universal in the 1940s. Mine is a happy day. I love these movies, and we're finally getting to the ones where you cannot pretend that they're not horror movies. Mm-hmm. Because this one's got, like, you know, mm-hmm. Deadly Spider. Yeah, yeah. What is more horror? Well, okay. I guess hey, it could be a freaking mystery, right? huge spider, let me say. I'll freaking huge. Yeah. yeah, although bullshit name for it. Yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, setting to my left, joining us once again, as she always does for the Star uh, for the Star Wars. Holy Jesus Christ. <laughs> for the Sherlock Holmes movies. I don't have enough caffeine. Man. No, you said you, you, we can attest, folks. He's been tired. He's been tired. I'm tired. I don't know what's going on. Sitting to my left, oh. joining us as she always does, he says, hoping that he doesn't screw it up this time, is. Beth, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm good. You ready to tackle this one? I am. And sitting directly across from me. It's Troy Gwynn. Exactly. We are going to be talking about the next in the Sherlock Holmes series of films from the Universal Studios of the 1940s. This, Troy, you'll be happy to know, moves us ever so gently into 1944. Right, because it was filmed, I guess, in 43, but released in 44, right? Yep. January 21st, 1944, the official release date, although, of course, some sneak previews and some other viewings of it kind of got out there in December, and we'll uh, we'll touch on that when we get to Critics Corner later in the show. And then we'll also have to explain how we're going to have to do a quick hop backwards, uh, but we'll explain uh, that, yep, yep, how yep. we're going to do that as well. You and I will be, uh, our next episode in this particular yeah. series, Troy and I will be covering the first two of the Inner Sanctum films, with one in 43, one mm-hmm. in 44. Yeah. But uh, we're willing to, to make this strange straddling of time mm-hmm. because... We don't want to drag this sh- this series of shows out any further than we have to. Right, right. So uh, six six Inner Sanctum films are only going to get three episodes because, damn it, mm-hmm. that's plenty. Mm-hmm. Now, tonight, The Spider Woman, the first of the Sherlock Holmes films in this series to not have Sherlock Holmes' name in the title. That's right. It was originally going to be called Sherlock Holmes in Peril. But they decided late in the game to give it a more uh, exploitative title, I guess would be the best way to put it. The entire time they were filming it, it was known as Sherlock Holmes in Peril. Uh, and that would seem like a pretty good title for yeah. it. But after Face's death, I mean... I was going to say, when you've already faced death and now you're in peril, I mean, what would the next one be? Look out, Sherlock Holmes. Next. <laughs> duck. <laughs> duck. <laughs> duck. Duck, you dying detective or something. I don't know. It's coming right at you. <laughs> yeah. It's coming for you. Um, but it does seem to be a way to like lure in more than just Sherlock Holmes fans, maybe, even though yeah. their pictures were prominently mm-hmm. on the poster as a way of just... People seeing the title and just just kind of focusing on that horror element. Let's talk a little bit about that poster art. Did you notice that one of the prominent images on that poster art 
is of a, uh, I won't say scantily clad woman, but a definitely, um, she, she's showing her legs, mm. reclining woman, usually in the upper left corner right. of, uh, qu- the upper left quadrant of any poster art for this film. I thought she was like laid forward. Yeah, she's kind of laying, she's kind of laying reclined. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where you just think to yourself, that's interesting. Mm. So mm. they are definitely wanting to put woman in the title. Mm-hmm. And emphasize that there is some kind of, shall we call her as they do in the film, femme fatale mm-hmm. in the film. And so it is interesting that <clears throat> there is a, a, a subtle shift in a couple of different ways mm-hmm. to make this film appeal to probably a broader audience. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's not like these films weren't doing terribly yeah, yeah, in the first place. Obviously I successful. wonder, what was the graphics? I mean, what were the... What was the... What, who ended up watching the originals? Was it mostly guys, or do you know? No. Well, actually, um, <clears throat> here's a wonderful quote from uh, the director and uh, producer of this series of movies. Roy William Neal wrote, By consistent observation, we have discovered that Sherlock Holmes fans predominantly pre- predominate in two age brackets. He has a tremendous audience among people over 40 and a rabid following among those under 25. The in-between span presumably prefers more sophisticated movie fare. So if you're under 25 or over 40, you love them. And if you're, I don't know, what, 26 to 39, you just kind of tolerate it? What the hell? I don't understand. But uh, Well, you're, you're still, you get really arrogant during that time period. Ah, uh, well, I see, I always thought... but. I always thought that was the yeah, early twenties. Solve those mysteries in half mm. that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he can't do shit. He can't do shit. <laughs> <laughs> that giant irradiated lizard isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> and they've, they've, you know, they're too, you know, old for, you know, horror movies, right. but, oh, and then yeah. they're too sophisticated for, you know, detective movies. That's, yes. you know. You know, something more hard-nosed, hard-bitten, or some kind of harsh drama showing the, based the on cruel play. facts of life. Based on play. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the fifth in this series of films. Mm-hmm. And like I say, I have, uh, I, have, I have been a little bit surprised by how much I've enjoyed all of them up to now. Mm-hmm. And, I, and this one, being the fifth one and being the first one, that can honestly, without a doubt, fall into the horror category. I mean, there's so mm-hmm. many little pieces and bits throughout this movie that just they, they, they are tropes from the horror field I mean what a killer spider mm-hmm. sent to murder people people uh, being driven to suicide you know the first the first image in the movie right after the opening credits is of a man throwing himself out a window to commit suicide mm-hmm. and then we get another we get an, we, uh, another couple of bodies mm-hmm. and then we get uh, an above uh, an above shot, watching someone else jump out of a window and crash toward what looks like a greenhouse to me. And screaming with Boris Karloff's voice, you know, which I oh, thought was really... really? Yes, I found that out in my research for this, is that, uh, which I never would have noted. Once you listen, you realize, but it's, yes, it's um, apparently Karloff's scream as the monster from Son of Frankenstein when he discovers Igor's body, that great scream. It was used many times in other Universal films, Ooh. and the guy falling from the... The guy falling to his death, that scream. And once I read that, and the second time upon, you know, the last time I watched it, I was listening specifically. I was like, oh, yeah, that's it. I would never would have noticed otherwise. Wow. But yeah, it was Karloff's. <laughs> I did not know that. That's pretty cool. Whoa, that's, 
That's good. You, you win. Yeah. <laughs> best fact. Well, I mean, it, I did best, best, best bit of trivia. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't have to look too hard. It was on IMDb, but, you know, a lot of times I don't... Oh, wait. You can't trust that. That's bullshit. I uh, know. It probably is. probably a lie, you know. But, yes, but, my, but the ears don't lie. And that was listen. I was like, yep, that's the scream. So, apparently uh-huh. it was used... It was reused <laughs> several times. What was it like that uh, blues riff that everybody... You know, we were talking about the other day that everybody steals? Oh, no. I was, I was talking about... Uh, the most sampled uh, drum uh, drum piece, you know, funky drummer from uh, James Brown's. Uh, oh right, yes, yeah. Yeah. that yeah. incredible mm-hmm. drum riff that everybody and their grandmother <laughs> is, is stolen and used, <laughs> and it was going on for years and years and years before. Yeah. I mean, it was George Michael sometime in the nineties mm. who went, look, eight out of the ten top mo- top yeah. songs right now have sample, you know, are using a sample <laughs> of funky drummer, and I'm the only one who's going to step up and tell you this is exactly what we did. Yeah, <laughs> we took funky drummer, we slowed it down, and this is how we built this song. But <clears throat> nevertheless, boy, am I off target. Okay, sorry, that was me. Sorry. The Spider Woman. <laughs> yes, let's say the title. Yes. Well, uh, was most likely geared for the detective's younger fans, and it is, once again, an, an instance where, remember, when they bought the rights to uh, do these films from the Conan Doyle estate, the idea was that they could do some original stuff as long as, uh, essentially, occasionally, they were sort of, kind of, in a way, adapting one of the original stories. Well, in this one... They hit on three or four yeah, of the yeah. original stories right. and take little bits and pieces. From yeah, it. but they never name dropped. Nope, no. Nope. Because in a couple of them they say based on, but this one did not. Yeah, say this based one just on. said based on a story, by like Sherlock Holmes. Based on a yeah, Sherlock Holmes yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, but but yeah, but it was fun just spotting all the little references to various stories that are in mm-hmm. it that they used in interesting yeah. ways. Yeah. And you, yeah, and, and Beth, you, you, uh. You 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 include, reminded me of one that I should not have, have forgotten. Uh, we'll get to that uh, uh, anyway here. Well, I mean, that it, I should have spotted. But well, amongst not just the references it built into the screenplay, but this one also goes out of its way to include one of my favorite things in the original stories in the first place is when, which is when they would allude in the text of one story yeah. to another story mm-hmm. that never got told. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like that, I mean, they, they just wish had been written. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like and they, they allude to one of my favorites. The uh, um, the, the giant rat of yeah, Sumatra, which then decades later got written up as an, got turned into a, a novel by somebody else. I was going to say, I imagine most all these have been fanfic or something mm-hmm. written in some ways or mm-hmm. another and to have been turned into a story, but that you'd have to. You, that's, yeah. that's, but yeah, when you hear that, you always are just, come on, I want, it, I want that story. What is that story? Tell me about it. <laughs> but <clears throat> let's run down the, um, the various mentions uh, that, or the various bits and pieces that get pulled from different home stories. First of all, the most obvious is Holmes faking his death, yeah. which is from the final problem. Right. And then his reappearance, of course, in the following story, The Adventure of the Empty House. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Then, but once we he, get to... We, oh, I'm sorry. Originally, that wasn't going to be a fake death. Oh, no. No, it wasn't, but you know, that's what it turned out to it be. It turned out to be, but that was just because Doyle was forced to bring him back. Yeah. True. And by the time these, by the time these movies are made, all those stories are written so that's mm. the way that that's the mm. way it's just viewed by most people yeah <clears throat> but of course then there's my favorite which is um, the use of an animal as a deadly weapon that comes directly and even the the methodology to a certain degree comes from the adventure of the speckled band yeah mm-hmm. that's the one you run around Beth that I showed mm-hmm. I was just like oh right of course even the way they introduce yeah. it into the like into the bedroom or just that I, I totally and I always love yeah. that story and I totally spaced on that one mm-hmm. and then there's an even there's an even weirder one which is the presence of a child with a mania for trapping insects. And we get the little boy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the supposedly mute little boy. 
That's that's kind of pulled from the adventure of the Copper Beaches. Mm-hmm. And then, well, let's just say this. But, but, but those are the those are the major ones that where, where it's just like you know there's just little incidents, little bits and pieces, little characterizations, strange things. The big one, though, when you're looking back at it, is of course the thing taken from the sign of four, mm-hmm. which is a little person, a little, yeah, mm-hmm. right. uh, an actual pygmy, right? That's actually that's uh, the instigator of uh, murder. Yeah, and I do, I do feel like on a general, on a big overall arc that uh, that Gail Sondergaard's character is inspired by Irene, the character of Irene Adler. I a think little is, bit, you know, yeah. Not, without any being direct specific references, but I think just the idea of a woman who is pretty much Sherlock Holmes' equal. Yeah. And, and that he respects that and recognizes that, you know, of, of how dangerous and, and how, you know, and how on top of things and a step ahead she is. Mm-hmm. And him. I would argue the movie leads you down the path to think that uh, she actually gets away at the end. But mm-hmm. we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. Well, the thing, the thing that puts her apart from Irene, Irene or Irene. Irene Adler, yeah. Yeah, some people... I know, I know. It it, it does get to be that thing where different adaptations have gone in different directions. Mm -hmm. It's true. But Irene was never really a true villain. Right, and that's true. It's a good point. But this woman is... Oh, she is. And he basically, what I was so... The main thing I like about this one is that you get a really strong female villain. Mm -hmm. He even compares her to Moriarty. Yep. So it's you like you have you basically have a female Moriarty, which mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. I, I really, yep. really was I was digging that. Yeah. So. And we should take note that this being the first female villain in the series, that becomes something they go back to several times as this mm-hmm. series goes on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, a villainous female mm-hmm. becomes a kind of standard thing that they play around with in several more films. Mm-hmm. Woman in Green is mm-hmm. the one that immediately comes to mind. Yeah. But this should not shock too many people when you consider that at the same time, which is when we're starting to get the genesis of the, the femme fatale idea that kind of uh, became much more famous when people started looking at the crime films of this period, especially the French, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and calling the, uh, the whole genre the film noir genre, where having a femme fatale almost seemed necessary in mm-hmm. a lot of cases to make those films fit into the uh, the kind of nasty criminal underworld that things got out of hand in every time. Yeah. Um, by the way, folks, if you're new to the show, we will be spoiling this. So, uh, yes. So, yeah, so be sure and, and watch it. If you haven't watched this film, watch it before listening to us because we probably will go through all the details. So. And it's very easy to see. It's sitting on YouTube. Oh, yes, yes. Go to it. As a matter of fact, all of these Sherlock Holmes films are sitting on YouTube. There is no mm-hmm. excuse to not watch it. Even if you... Uh, Bring it up on your phone. Anyway, <laughs> yes, that was yes, that was a shiver running down my spine. Please, please don't watch it on your phone unless you've already seen it ten times. Please, That's, that makes my head hurt. Anyway, um, so if it's pulling from all these different stories and kind of placing together a, a bunch of other bits and pieces, I mean, let's let's be honest, we we get a couple of good disguises for Sherlock Holmes too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing that we're pulling from other stories that mm-hmm. you know could be you could pull it from. What, a dozen of them? I don't know. You could say that this is just a reference back to one of their other adventures, but really, the devil's foot is used. Yeah. And there, you know, that comes from, uh, oh shoot, now I can't remember, and I don't have it in front of me. Well, uh, Holmes mentions the devil's foot root. It was the Cornish. uh, Yeah. The Cornish 
No, I don't, I don't have it. Well, Watson mentions the strange death of ex-president Morello. The Cornish Horror. Yeah, the Cornish. Yeah, which is Cornish just a, Yeah. Okay. So, oh, that's true. Okay, so. Man, there's so yeah. <laughs> so it just it feels like they're throwing in all these different little references, and some of them are well, just for fun. It seems like. Well, was it wasn't it this was it the scriptwriter Milhauser Bertrand yeah. Milhauser yeah. that actually was a huge Sherlock Holmes? Yeah. Am I remembering that right? Because yeah. that because yeah, that he actually was a Holmes aficionado scholar, whatever. Before so yeah, that's yeah. that's where so much of that comes from, which is great to have somebody writing the scripts with that kind of background. <clears throat> now. Before we get into to some of the things, because I do actually have two two little problems with the film. It doesn't mm. cause me to dislike the film, mm. but each one of them is something that I feel is, uh, I won't say a misstep, but uh, a kind of uh, off note mm-hmm. in, uh, in a song that I really like to listen to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. So uh, what, what, I think, uh, what I think is going on here uh, to a large degree is um, by taking some of these bits and pieces out and putting them in a different order, at least one of them makes me feel as if we're being treated to something that hits a sour note almost without any other way to fix itself, which is I really have have trouble finding a way to justify faking his death the way that he does. Okay? Right at the beginning of the film, there are these pajama murders going on. Everybody thinks they're suicides. And Holmes and Watson are off in Scotland fishing. Great, cool. But then Holmes goes out of his way to kind of prep Watson for the idea that he might have some kind of serious illness mm. and then immediately fakes his own death. It feels a little cruel to me. Oh, oh yeah. certainly. Yeah, yes, certainly. Very it certainly cruel. does. I think there might have been something that they planned before that to justify it. You know, I think that maybe there was a prelude or and that it was so bad that he was afraid that it was a Moriarty type you know, level well, I mean, of crime. That would be the justification, I think, if he honestly thought that he was dealing with someone who was of that level, mm-hmm. who was another, you know, like maybe queen pin of crime mm-hmm. or yeah. whatever. But he, it is. It's, 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 it's vicious. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's harsh. Yeah. And it's, I was like, what if... Watson had stroked out. What if Miss Hudson? Yeah. What if Miss Hudson had had a freaking heart attack? Right. I mean, come on. Yeah. He could have killed one of them. You know? yeah. I I, um, I do agree with you basically on that because because again, you kind of raise the thing of like, well, he he could he could justify doing that on any of his cases. I mean, if they if they're particularly hard to solve, yeah. you know, the whole thing of like, well, if they think I'm dead, it'll it'll make it easier. Yeah, so yes. I mean, he you know he could have done that anywhere along the the way. So I think the I think the only thing that makes it easier for me to take. Is just how well I think the whole mourning and grieving scene yeah. is is handled, but with Watson and Lestrade, Lestrade, Lestrade and Mrs. Yeah. Hudson, I think that's I a agree. very well done oh, was, scene. That was and beautiful. so I was like, okay, mm-hmm. at least you gave it that kind of weight and that kind of. But but yeah, it, it does it does make it. I mean, you're right. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's uh, and 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 Rathbone's disguise is great when he comes in there. I mean, it's, oh, yeah, it's like he does such a good job. So although although by this time, I mean, you know, we've seen watching. him we've seen him disguised yeah. so many times. It's like, yeah. okay, so this is a lot like his yeah. last dis- yeah. the last time we saw him disguised <laughs> when he was in Germany. It's like it's almost the same <laughs> no, disguise. I, I thought that was, I thought this one was better. But my problem was, okay, I mean, I know that Nigel plays a more bumbling. Watson, but 
where did he go that he disappeared completely from sight and yet really didn't <laughs> fall in the river and Watson couldn't find him? Well, that's there's that yeah there's I that mean, whole thing too. Yeah, I don't know. yeah there's, there's some definitely some contrivances that you, you know, got to well, kind of. But you know. I did I did really like that moment where Lestrade like just burst out in anger at him. right yeah, exactly. Yeah, How yeah. could you let this happen? Right, right, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That yeah. felt that felt real. Yeah. That felt like a mm-hmm. great character mm-hmm. beat mm-hmm. and. Uh, and this this being the fifth film in the series, it feels like they've kind of earned that yeah. emotional yeah. That, that emotional right. uh, punch. And maybe I don't know. Maybe they maybe this guy was had the feeling that he might probably never get to do the last bow, and therefore would not be able to play that scene out anywhere, and wanted to play that scene out where you know he comes back know. to life. Maybe, but I, I who plays Lestrade? I can't remember. Dude, oh, who, Dennis Lee. Yeah, Dennis Yeah, Dennis Okay, it was really good. Yeah. The whole oh, way, the way that he, because, yeah. he, you know, he came in and he's all, you know, he's always, you know. He, yeah. I, I really liked him. I really liked his performance in, later in the film when Holmes is setting up that uh, room that they're, that they're, that he's going to sleep in where they're kind of, they're going to see if somehow he, he can be uh, the next pajama, pajama suicide victim. And it's just him and Dennis Huey as Lestrade. Mm-hmm. That whole thing, that la- that last thing, uh, they're walking around, they're talking about it. You, know, you don't think you know you don't you, you don't think somebody's going to come through that thing, do you? Mm-hmm. And uh, that last thing that uh, Lestrade says is they're, as they're closing the door and locking it up is uh, when it happens, it happens really fast. Mm-hmm. And it's like that mo- that moment between them. The whole scene is good between the two of them, but that moment right there is just like. Okay, this is this is the this is showing us a good piece of not just acting between the two actors, but of characterization between the two characters where they do respect each other to a certain mm-hmm. degree. Sherlock Holmes is having him help mm-hmm. him with this. Yeah, right. Well, um, you know, I know sometimes it seems almost like Lestrade is simply there to give Watson somebody to pick on. You know, because mm-hmm. it's like somebody's even yeah. more bumbling yeah. than Watson or something. But but one thing I noticed about this film that really I felt. Very strongly, I like. I know Roy William Neal. I think directs every film from here out, yeah, right? Yeah. But I know I don't think Milhouser writes every film from here out. He writes several. No, he writes them, several. I I but they've already done. You know, they've already done something together already. And I mean, I just feel watching this film is like this. Feels like these. Uh, it was made by people who were just really in stride, like getting yeah. getting these characters and getting the whole feel of this series. Mm-hmm. And it, Not just the actors, but mm-hmm. the people yeah. behind the camera yeah. really yeah. were hitting a stride where they had a feel for everything yeah. and it was all clicking into place. Yeah, the dialogue between the characters mm-hmm. and the interactions, like between Watson and Lestrade, you could still, in that scene where they're grieving, exactly. you could feel the, the antagonism between the two of them, mm-hmm. but you could also feel, you know, the, the sharing of the grief and, and mm-hmm. they could both each realize they had pushed the other one a little too yeah, a little far, too far. Yeah, you know, and yeah. uh, on, with that, so yeah, it was it was just uh, I think like okay, yeah, Milhauser and, and Neil are really both clicking at this point together on on getting a feel for these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, that part with Lestrade, it just the way that he played from you know I don't that whole you know not I'm not really caring about it, but and then be, being really broken up about it, mm-hmm. you know, when he said that he just couldn't let anybody handle his stuff. Yeah. And yeah. he, you know, he just happened to be there, but then yeah. he admits that he couldn't let anybody else yeah. handle his stuff. I thought that was really, good. really, really good. I agree. Well, I think one of the, the best parts of this film is that we do have what boils down to a female Moriarty. We yeah. have someone who is 
possibly smarter, clever, faster mm-hmm. than Holmes. Because repeatedly in this movie, we watch the two of them, uh, even with Holmes in disguise, we watch the two of them realize something about the other and keep it close to the chest mm-hmm. to maintain the fiction to see just how far along they're going to be able to string this, to just see how far... We'll, we'll both. There is a certain point where both of them... There's a, that great scene when she shows up at uh, mm-hmm. Baker Street mm-hmm. and comes in and is... She's there for two things. One, she's going to put the bullshit idea in their heads that mm-hmm. here's, here's a little boy, here's my, my ward... My little nephew, mm-hmm. gonna let you see this kid. He's gonna act strange, and he's gonna. And you're gonna think this is how things are happening because I now know since that spider got got gacked in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you already know what's going on, and so we're going to lead you down the path of thinking that I'm using this child. Yeah, yeah. But also, she was way out in front by mm-hmm. doing that. She's also pulling a double bluff by pretending to him. Mm-hmm. That that's the only reason she's there when her real reason there is to use that to hide the fact that she's just about to try to kill them and yeah, damn near yeah. get away with yeah, it. Yeah, she almost does, right? Brilliantly. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's you, that's the scene that tells you because we've been aware as the audience from very early in the film that she's the one that's behind all these murders. She's the one that's the mastermind of all this. It's not some man behind her. Yeah. She's the brain. Right. This is a what this is a how done it, not a who done it. Correct. You know for, or you never you know oh, the whole question no the whole mystery is how is she doing it? We know from the first almost who, mm-hmm. who it is. So yeah. And to be honest, I love those kind of mysteries a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. yeah. The it's very difficult in a movie. Any kind of a movie, a television series, anything like that, it's very hard to hide the villain. Yeah. Because so much of your work has to be done in casting. Mm -hmm. And there comes a certain point when you're watching something that the longer it goes on, the more obvious it has to be somebody we already know who we're well aware cannot be Mm -hmm. eliminated from the suspect list. Mm -hmm. But a how done it? Better. Yeah. How done it becomes all the hows Mm -hmm. become something you can completely hide. Yeah, it can yeah. be completely invisible behind the scenes. You can only see the results, mm-hmm. and that I find absolutely fascinating. And that is why these kind of mysteries, where the audience is keyed in from the beginning, yeah, Holmes figures her out quickly, mm-hmm. but it doesn't help because yeah. she's already figured him out as well. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the the joys of a how done it mm-hmm. are almost better than a who done it. Well, and I also on the, pa- on the page yeah. a who done it right. I think is better. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because sure, you're, sure. you you can hide the ball. Yeah, but, but but I think with the, I think it really works. I mean, one of the things that impressed me so much about this movie is this is an hour long movie that feels exactly how long to me how it should be. I mean, yeah, I did not yeah. have that feeling of we either padded this or we're missing ten minutes. I mean, and I think yeah. a lot of that has to do with the fact that because it's not a who done it, you don't have to stack the script with with possible suspects. Correct. There are no uh, you know notice about this film that this the there's no. There's no Evelyn Anchors and her love interest still to the side. You know, there's no, yeah. not, not nothing gets hurt. But you know what I'm saying is like they usually well, yeah, have, there's usually a side two or three or four or five characters that Holmes interacts with. A lot of times a love interest and, a, and the lead, the romantic lead, that sort of thing. This is between Holmes and, and, and Gail Sonnegard. This is, yeah. the, there's, there's no extra extraneous characters 
in this film, and I think that that works perfectly for its length. I mean, I felt this film is exactly as long as it needs to be, I think. You know, I didn't have the feeling like we're missing a big chunk here of information or something. So. True, true, true. So we should maybe talk a little bit about uh, the structure of this and how the yeah. plot unwinds a bit. Mm -hmm. um, this is... Um, a lot of people have a lot of praise for this movie, but I have to... I, I'm going to go ahead and kind of leap ahead and give mm -hmm. this, this, this piece... I find in this watch as we're going into detail in these movies, we're up to the fifth film, and I have to admit that there's a couple of things that kind of knock this one down a little bit for mm -hmm. me, and I, I feel that it is solid, it's very good, but I don't mm -hmm. feel that it's, it's one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. I can very easily understand how someone could call it one of their favorites and feel that this is one of the most rewatchable ones that, uh, of the series. Yeah. But I think the reasons that it is that way um, are the, the two lead performances from Rathbone and oh, Gail yeah. Sundergaard. Yeah. I think they're fantastic. They I was saying to you earlier that this is the first time in this series of movies where there are sequences in the movie where I honestly think that Rathbone is probably not the best actor on screen. Yeah. It's yeah. Gail Sundergaard. Yeah. She's incredible. Yeah. The two, the two big sequences between them, you know, the one where they first meet yes. when he's in disguise, and then the one you talked about where she comes to... Baker Street. I could just watch those scenes over and over again because the dialogue yes. is so good, you know, their, and their interaction is so good. And it's a whole, it's a classic, I know that you know that I know kind of scene, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's the whole tone, yeah. her tone, her character tone throughout this is so fantastic. Yeah. The way that smile oh, that she, she that smile oh my god that amazing. smile is amazing. Yeah. yeah. And you know it's just she's I don't know she's just really I love her she's just great in this and yeah and the, the whoever wrote the dialogue was right on and I don't know if they had to do with it you know I don't know if they got in it you know together and said well, let's tweak it a little bit because there was. Good chemistry. The chemistry between them mm -hmm. and, yeah. the, and the two it's, scenes where they're sparring—it's off, it's off the charts. They're yeah. fantastic together. Yeah, the 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 yeah. verbal sparring yeah. between them in those two scenes is just yeah, it's 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 very sparky. It's great. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, it really is. Sparky is a good way, but yeah. it's like it's like flint and steel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, yeah. it really is. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. and there's that wonderful interplay between the two of them, where especially once both of them know that the other knows. Yeah, yeah, and they're kind of. They're kind of having to play it mm -hmm. a different way. They're having to play it a different way. Mm -hmm. It's it's just fantastic. That I mean, she starts it. She starts it in that scene when she's unmasking while he's still in disguise. Yeah. When she says, uh, "I'm sorry, I don't have I don't have anything around it, or, or in the house to treat a burn, but because I so I so seldom get burned." Yeah. 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 And that's the moment yeah. where she's she's yeah. right in his yeah. face yeah. with uh, the knowledge. Yeah. That she knows, and mm -hmm. she's making sure he knows without breaking everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that scene, uh, I don't know, did you, are we going to come back to that original scene? Where uh, they yeah, first we, start? We, we, well, honestly, right? at this point, we probably could just jump around and it doesn't matter to a large uh, degree. You may yeah. want to talk about the thing I want to talk about, too, so go ahead. Yeah. I mean, because that one is, I really love it because Sherlock usually always has the upper hand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... And you think that she is completely fooled. And I was like, when she started, like, when she first says, I, I don't like disguises. Yeah. yeah. I, it, and it's like she's going to test him even though she hasn't really doesn't have much of a reason to think. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. she's already said, okay, this is going to be a mark. Yeah. He's a mark. Yeah. And I was wondering, is he she that just that suspicious of everybody that she tests them right off, or was she already kind of thinking, mm, you know, what's going on here? Because then she immediately, as soon as they get in the room together, she's talking about I don't like disguises, and then she. Well, like she also like she already had some kind of suspicion, right? Yeah. Exactly, and then the whole thing with the the cigarette case. I felt like it, he kind of gave himself away with that because, you know, he's trying to get he's her fingerprints, yeah. and when she tries to... And she seems very clearly aware at that point. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. yeah something's she's something's twigged at that uh-huh. point, whether she twigged... And it's but, right after that that she right. spills the tea on him and and, and it well, forces his, his left hand to move. Right. Well, no, actually it doesn't. See, that's what I was going to well, say. See, that's no, one that, problem with I, that. I did rewatch that and it does. It doesn't. It, I watched it too. I watched it three times. <laughs> I was like, wait just <laughs> a minute. You're the tiebreaker. Did it move or not? Because... Well, see, so I still didn't, oh, he, didn't jer- he didn't jerk it away, but his fingers yeah. his fingers move. Mm-hmm. They twitch. And I didn't... I saw that. Well, okay, go ahead. That's why I was watching it and I wish I'd gone back and watched it again because... I know he moved his right hand, right. but I didn't know if the, if him moving could have just been, you know, his hand moving with the reaction to him jumping. Well, but, one thing I, I was never fully clear on whether his left hand was supposed to be just injured in a sling or was it supposed to be like totally paralyzed. But the thing is, my problem is actually with that problem. I still think there's a flub there, and it's not really even oh. even taken into account that it moved is is because. Well, then she then wipes, she wipes the, the makeup yeah. off his hand, and then and then holds the holds the yeah. uh, holds the uh, the, yeah. the napkin or, or or what cloth that she's used. She holds it up, yeah, and then she just looks from it to him. Yeah, well, but where, where it's this th- and it's that it's that moment where if he yeah. had just stepped back mm-hmm. and left the room, she'd have won. But he maintains, so she maintains. Yes, yeah, right. But but I think the next scene, I mean, what, what I have a problem with, or just feel like there was something that got kind of mistranslated in the directing and script or in those two scenes was because then when she's talking to her sidekick, Norman, right, who was in, uh, it's good to see that actor again. Same he actor, played yeah. the quirky, one of the quirky uh, kind mm. of, you know, men, or men, middle guys men, in, uh, in the... Yeah, shell shock. Yeah, shell shock. In, in uh, Sherlock Holmes' face's death, so it's good uh-huh. to see him again. But when she's explaining to him how she knows it was Sherlock Holmes, she says, uh, she, "Well, at that point, she thinks she knows. It. Thinks she knows, right? But she says, she says, because when I spilled, you know, tell me when she spilled the, the the hot, you know, tea, she said, got tea on his on his hand. Uh, she said it, it moved. And I'm sitting there thinking, why why didn't she just say? And to me, I'm thinking that it, no, I, I still don't feel like it moved enough. To, I mean, my feeling is like, why didn't she just say? He was wearing makeup. I mean, that was you know that was the obvious. Why didn't you just tell him like yeah. because when I wiped his hand, he was wearing makeup. That's as obvious a thing as anything. I just feel like to me, I feel like what was written in the script and what was filmed and the dialogue somehow they just didn't they didn't like line up to me convincingly in that scene. I still think it's a wonderful scene. I mean, I love the whole airplane. I love what you had to do, but I, I don't. What I think it, what I think yeah. it is is she had her suspicions. Mm-hmm. The hand moving mm-hmm. made her think I'm onto something, but, and then wiping his hand, which he was trying to get her to not do. Mm-hmm. Tells her every. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, now I have. Oh. I, I'm not just suspicious, yeah. and I'm not just yeah. sure that something's something's wrong. Now I know someone's in disguise here. Mm-hmm. But doesn't the guy when she, he comes in say something about? I don't usually spill hot tea. On well, I, I don't usually burn someone unintentionally yes, or something. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. when she says, "Well, I didn't." She, she that, says, "And neither do I." Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, right. Oh, she definitely poured. No, I mean, well, what I'm saying is when yeah. she poured the hot water, I mean, it was but definitely that, intentional. But isn't that, isn't it after that that she tells him that it moved? Yeah. And that's why she did it? I mean... I thought it was after she showed him the photo, told him the two photos together, and then... And I can't I remember. Yeah, I, can't I can't remember, remember exactly, though. I yeah, thought I it was after she showed him Holmes' photo yeah. and the photo of the character mm-hmm. disguised as, and then yeah. I thought after that, but that she that's when she that's when she says... She just mentions that she spilled water on his hand and it, and it moved, and she doesn't say anything about... The makeup, but well, I mean, I, you know, I, I, can, I can understand hmm. your, your your concern about not mentioning the the, the makeup hmm. on his hand. Hmm. That I can concede is something that would have been good to have a a, a link dialogue piece hmm. in that sequence. I don't know. I think it would have been. I think that hmm. I think it was done for subtlety hmm. because she was she, by that time she before. I think she was pretty sure before she yeah. did that. Yeah. And that that was kind of would have been an overplay. Yeah. And that she was well, saying, well, I, I just did that so I could test him. And then well, I everything she did, else. I, did, I, th- I thought she did say something about testing him. I'm not wrong. But everything else was yeah. just her being, well, you know, I just, that was her yeah. verifying. Yeah. You know, she verified it. She already knew it. She just verified it when she rubbed the makeup well, off. Not only that, you could also read it as at a certain point, she knows. Mm-hmm. And then she's just essentially making sure right. in the rest of the scene right. that he knows that she knows without right. saying it, without mm-hmm. coming out and breaking it, mm-hmm. right? breaking the facade that we've got going here. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to make sure you're aware because mm-hmm. you're not an idiot. Mm-hmm. If you were an idiot, you wouldn't have got. If you were an idiot, you wouldn't have gotten this far. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the uh, <laughs> I'm going to say this. I, I uh, this is a minor thing. Mm-hmm. The the actor you spoke of who uh, is playing uh, Norman, her uh, I don't know aide de camp. Mm-hmm. Originally, he was written as just a subservient minion of hers, uh, but because there was some kickback from the production code, apparently they they stuck in that one little piece of dialogue where she says that he's his hat that she. Uh, he's her half brother. Ah, so many people so think they were lovers. Yeah. So that, yeah, so that there couldn't be any intimation that uh, there was some kind of. I didn't catch that. No, Kerfluey going on there. <laughs> and I think I think that's I think that's pretty funny actually. It is. It's such innocent <laughs> times. Nobody slept together in those days. <laughs> Nobody fucked around, no. and they especially didn't have dominant female dominant no, relationships. Gosh, no. oh, gosh. oh my god! How could that ever happen? But uh, yeah, that actor. Um, I'm trying to remember his name now. Oh, um, Vernon Downing. Vernon Downing. Uh, I do have to admit that uh, the complaints that I saw leveled against him in the last, you know, in, the, in his appearance in the in the previous film, yeah. I can kind of understand a little bit here because there's two instances where I think he's delivering dialogue in a way that I wish he hadn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that scene, the scene we're talking about there uh, with uh, him speaking with Gail Sondergaard. Um, well, it's it, actually it's the scene before when she's reading the newspaper account of the the disguised Indian character that Holmes is planted mm-hmm. you know, is planted in the newspaper, and uh, she says she says oh, what do they, what do they do in India, and he he rushes the, his next line of dialogue too quickly. Okay, he jumps mm-hmm. in there too fast with a line that should be a little bit more of a, a kind of amusing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, someone who's just kind of saying something amusing and also kind of. Casually musing, oh, they they ride elephants, hmm. but he he jumps the line too hard, hmm. and I'm like, yeah, that needed another take. And it's like, and it really stands out when you're in the scene with Gail Sondergaard, <laughs> who's delivering every syllable like every a purpose. like a fucking genius. <laughs> <laughs> so I can kind of understand why hmm. um, 
he he had the limited career that he did mm-hmm. because if I'm spotting that, mm-hmm. trust me, people at the time are spotting yeah. that too and going, he's rushing. And if that's the take they went with, that means that's the best take they could get out of him. And it's like, eh, I don't know. It would have been interesting to see if they had swapped or given that role to, you know, the guy who's actually doing the physical work, the other henchman who's actually climbing the building and dropping off the... Yeah, I don't know. know, Dropping the spiders, Harry Cording, who uh, was in tons and tons of films. And so, you know, he's one of those... He's got one of those IMDb... uh, uh, filmographies where half the things just say uncredited, uncredited, you know, because he was henchman, he was butler, he was, you know, but yeah, was, I yeah. think most people Under, recognize, underling, underling yeah. most people recognize him as the, uh, as Bella Lugosi's manservant in the black cat, you know, and he's, uh, I think is where most people, I, I, I wouldn't think he would fit in Bella Lugosi's pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, okay, so, I'm sorry, you're right. Yeah. Uh, yes. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, but he's, but, uh, it would, but, uh, but he has had a lot more speaking roles uh, too, as far as even if they were, it's usually a side or henchman, yeah. but it would be interesting if they had given that role to him to see what he would have done. Well, he, get, he, well he gets shot very well. Yes, he does. <laughs> I think he was would have been a little too gruff. Too too much of well, it. See, yeah, I think he's, I think they were going for a particular body type. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, thin. He's a lot bigger. Someone, yes, someone who, bigger, who yeah. wears a suit well and therefore would yeah. appear and wouldn't stand out in the kinds of crowds that he and mm-hmm. the, the, the Spider-Woman character are moving in. And if they cast him as an underling to begin with, him being slight and you know a little less not looking aggressive mm-hmm. would have been really good. I mean, of course, then they made it him her brother, but you know, <laughs> still. Let's talk a little bit about this for a second. Um, as we say, the movie starts off with all these pajama suicides, with uh, Holmes being the only person who's convinced that uh, these are actually murders, that mm-hmm. these people are being driven to kill themselves. Um, Upon, di- upon the discovery that all of the victims were known gamblers, Holmes takes the name Ra- Ronnie uh, Ra- Rahi. Sa- now I can't even say it. Anyway, he disguises himself as an East Indian diplomat and heads for London's posh gambling parlors. Before he does this, his description of what he uh, what he surmises about the pe- person behind this is is a. I gotta admit. Yeah, I wanted to get fun. best take on this. It's fun, <laughs> but it's one of those things that that kind of makes me go twang, which is. Obviously, it's a woman behind this. This is very feline and not canine. And I'm going, <laughs> yeah, and it's, as somebody with a male cat, let me tell you now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I can tell the freaking difference. But also, it's, I, I want to call it just the casual sexism of the times, mm-hmm. which is probably what, mm-hmm. yeah. it's what best to call it. Yeah, because, yeah, Beth, I know you said you like the fact that there's a, a strong female, which she certainly is yeah. in this, but I was wondering how you, you know, when he's talking about how I can tell it's a woman because it's subtle and cruel, and I'm sitting there, obviously all the males <laughs> in the audience were supposed to be going, yeah, yeah buddy, yeah, yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. And really well, well, them women is just, <laughs> they, they hide what they want. Yeah, because, they, you know, because Moriarty was your never subtle stomp and cruel, was he? You know, Ooh, like just, you know, yeah, really. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I, I did immediately think, like, uh, okay, really? <laughs> Couldn't you have come up with something else that would yeah, make, made it more? Well, that, some other reason for it to be some feminine. Bit of Holmes well, not only that, then, uh, but I mean, the, the movie <laughs> makes his deduction accurate yes, because yes. it is a woman who's behind yeah, all of that. Right, mm-hmm. right. And so his his uh, his catch all masculine look at this, and it is obviously a woman committing these mm-hmm. crimes or behind these crimes. You know, the movie just goes, yep, see, he's, it's just it's just another but, no. bit of his deductive brilliance. Here's what, and you're right, what, what, that, what that was was making men feel comfortable with a strong 
female yeah. villain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What they could have done was he could have pointed out, which which would have been much more scientific. All of the victims are male, and all of them are being driven. To suicide. Because that's what women do. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. See, see, I've got to look at That's what them bitches is always at. Well, what I was going to say was he, the Good fact God. that he does. It's just, it just automatically yeah. leaves all, all those ridiculous stereotypes immediately pop into your well, head. It's well, the fact, the fact that he does, you know, very correctly, you know, and intelligently notice that they were all uh, fond of casinos. I think he could have just yeah. used that as enough to like, I'm going to show up as a casino as a guy who's looking as a for ga- help, as a gambler, and then know. just see who he's approached by. And I think they could have just done it that way, you mm-hmm. know. And then because he's approached by this woman who's really wanting his company, he can start to kind of uh-huh. think, okay, well, you know, I think they could have well, done it I mean, that way with but, that. I mean, like I'm saying, if they needed to say we, he that he thought it was going to be a female, that mm-hmm. he could have, there could have been something a little bit more subtle sure. about yeah. the victim the victimology, the victimology, the now is that, that right? Well, well, it would be referred to. It's in, a great, uh, great new word on the show. We've done it many times. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, what, well, what it is is he's identifying a modus operandi mm-hmm. from all the evidence that he can see. Yeah. And for him, it leads him to go, "It's a woman." Mm-hmm. Whereas, honestly, what it should do is lead him toward someone is finding a way to take advantage of. Of gamblers, mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. probably people who are in who are in severe debt because mm-hmm. of an addiction to gambling, mm-hmm. and then yeah, yeah, you're right. I think it might have been more effective if what we stumble, if what he does is he goes through the same exact thing, but then discovers ah, here I'm being approached by this person. Mm-hmm. This seems awfully convenient. I'm put, I've put myself in the same position where all these other men probably were, and this just act, this works out, but. Yeah, what we've got to do though is we've got to we've got to show off by him knowing it's a woman <laughs> right from the jump. I, now here here's my thing this this whole scheme based on life insurance. Yeah. How do they know? I mean, do you know? Just because you're rich doesn't mean you have a huge life insurance policy. Oh, well, 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 they, well they, and, they wouldn't know. That's right. what that's what I love about that scene where he fakes that he's going to kill himself out there on the balcony, and that's when she's feeling him out to see if there if he has life insurance because he was he was supposedly a soldier, mm-hmm. which means he probably does have some kind of something. So, but in other words, that's the scene where she's sussing out whether or not she can take advantage of this poor bastard who's just lost apparently all of his money. Mm-hmm. And I, so I, I like that part of it. No, I mean, I, that, and that, that leads me down the thought process of thinking, wow, so how many people have they, have they, has she, you know, kind of thrown that line out to realize, oh no, they're completely broke. They don't have anything. And then just, you know, reeled that line back in and mm. gone fishing in another pond. You know? <laughs> I guess so. Well I did I did read uh, in in researching this, you know, that that uh, uh, I know it's been there were a couple of places where it's pointed out in the film is that at that time anyway, actually that apparently insurances insurances wouldn't have covered suicide. They wouldn't have paid off and so really that's the policy in oh, that, that's in, a, in yeah, that yeah. whole thing right there, you know, is is that that's the problem with her her plot right there. Is that, I hadn't that thought thing. about that, but you're right. Mm. That would be that would be a plot plotting mm. problem. Mm. Because, well, 
Are we talking the 1940s? It wouldn't have paid off. Is that what we're that's, talking? I guess. I mean, that's what I was led to understand that at least okay. at that time, and and that that it was that yeah that in England at that time anyway. You know that that insurances wouldn't. They oh, wouldn't would it have cover, been? An, would it have been more of an American that. thought process than a British? One? No idea. I don't know idea. Oh, that's no an idea. interesting. That's an yeah. interesting thread to pull on. That's, yeah. Yeah. You know, okay. Because I, I was under. Now that you said that, I was like, yeah, that that doesn't make any sense. Because as far as I know, all life insurance policies have always been void if it was suicide because that would make Amen. that would make it easy for somebody to go out and take out a million dollar policy with only a payment of a hundred dollars and then get then go kill themselves and yeah. make sure that their family's set up for life exactly yeah mm-hmm. well anyway well of course uh he runs across uh the glamorous uh andrea spedding who's played by the wondrous gail sondergaard uh, an actress who, uh, honestly, did not do nearly enough movies, yeah. uh, in my opinion. Well, She's so good. Uh, don't get me wrong. Asshole Joe McCarthy for one reason. Yeah, tell me about it. Were they married? No, no, no. no was... Joe McCarthy he was the, the piece of shit who uh, uh, was behind the, who, oh, the, the House on American McCarthy, Activities yeah. Committee. Ah. She wouldn't. She, she wouldn't testify. She wouldn't yeah. testify, and she was married. Was she was married to? Oh darn it! Now I've forgotten. But at any rate, she had uh, she had enough connections to people that it shit canned her career. Yeah, it, it it killed a lot of my really people. I mm. like the radio shows I listen to. Dashiell Hammett. Yeah, it shit canned him too. Yeah, and uh, all of his. What mm. who? What are you talking about? The House on the Activities Committee. Well, no, but who are you talking about? It shit canned whose career? What are you talking about? Dashiell Hammett. Oh, okay, Dashiell Hammett himself. I thought you were mm-hmm. talking about one of the one of the actors or something. Okay. No, but everything that he wrote, it it killed so, by putting him out there and putting him on the blacklist. It killed like there were like I want to say four or five different radio shows based on his different characters, uh-huh. and they all basically got you know, canned. And they begged a couple of them back, but he couldn't be associated with them. And the actors that were with that were in them, some of them got blackballed just because they were associated with him. Mm-hmm. And so it did. It ruined a lot of radio careers. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, sometimes it's uh, sorry. That's, that's well, no, that's another thing. As I yeah. recently doing research for uh, for uh, something completely different, discovered the you know kind of a half and half love of. Uh, a particular actor and actress who were married in the uh, who, who were who were high up on the, the the Hollywood scale, and it's like the things you find out that are just wonderful about these these people are incredible, and then you find out that they played ball because they were true believers hmm. with the with the, the House on American Activities Committee. Yeah. They played ball hard because they were they considered themselves to be the good guys fighting against communists, and it's like yeah, and you just destroyed a shit ton of people because yeah, they had different yeah. political beliefs. That's yeah. way to go, my friend. But yeah, that's yeah, hard. They pictured themselves as the heroes every yeah. time. So, nevertheless, that's a story for another day. <laughs> Actually, that's a story for a commentary track. But it comes up so much in our show uh, when we've you know been yeah. covering films from this you know this era. I mean, it comes up so often with with any writers, directors, actors we talk about. I know. You know, I know. Like, yeah. Well, it's one it's one of those things I'll never forget. Um, the first time I ever kind of had to to realize that as much as I admire a particular filmmaker, there were conscious decisions made mm-hmm. during that period by some of these people yeah. that I can't forgive mm-hmm. because they destroyed other people's lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, Elia Kazan is 
one of the examples that I always go to because he cooperated with yeah. HUAC and mm-hmm. uh, he was responsible for having quite a few people put on the blacklist and it's yeah. uh, well we've we've gone far mm-hmm. afield. Okay, sorry, we went off on a real tangent. There we are, all right and tight. Nothing can get through that. I don't understand. If you want to keep them out, how do you expect them to get in? My dear Lestrade, my purpose is fairly simple. I merely wish to duplicate the conditions under which these so-called pajama murders occurred. Locked doors, sealed windows, and no opening through which any human agency could possibly enter this room. I don't hold with that. Where there's a murder, there's got to be a murderer. That's the way I look at it. Precisely, but it's not the murder I'm after. It's the means of murder. The secret and terrible machinery of these crimes. Now, you don't expect anyone to pop out of that. I expect nothing and everything. Keep your eye on that alley. I may be coming down sudden-like, see? Right. I did not realize until uh, getting ready for the show, I had not realized that Gail Sondergaard won the very first Academy Award for Supporting Actress. Yes, uh, I yes. Did not, I did not know that, that uh, yeah, for Anthony Adverse, which is not a film that I've seen, but I didn't realize that she had won the first one, and also did not know that she was the original choice for The Wicked Witch in Wizard of Oz. Which uh, would have made an amazing, yeah. an amazing choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the same, I mean, you know, Margaret Hamilton, of course, is iconic, but but Gail Sondergaard would have been amazing, too, but she just didn't feel like it was right for her. I'm sitting there thinking, like, I think it would have been perfect for you, but, you know, but, you know, that's, it was... Uh, I wonder if she had fears of being typecast, because that that, that, that would be well. that, would, that would have been such a broad role. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, oh. it could be, it could be. Because she was, she's such a subtle actress. She's so, yeah. she's so good yeah. at getting across. It would have been a very little, different performance. Little bits yeah. and nuances. Yeah, yeah. it's. Mm-hmm. She, she's the, so good. I don't. I think maybe the makeup would have lost. She's so good with her face. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, you know, the smile yeah. just yeah. kills me. Yeah. And so I'm afraid that maybe she thought that with the makeup, mm-hmm. that it, she wouldn't come across. Yeah. Well, not only that, Margaret Hamilton. She went big. I mean, yeah, in those, in those oh, moments, yeah. especially with, you know, with the flying monkeys and all yeah. this, you have to go big. Yeah. And I wonder if that would be something that Sondergaard would have felt comfortable doing. I don't know. Yeah, but she's, she's such a good actress. And yeah, I she's usually admit. understated. Yeah, and I want to see more of her work. Now, mm-hmm. you know, now I want to I seek out some of those more... Mm-hmm. Those more drama role, the, the drama uh, types of roles that she, she was better known for. Uh, because and she's, she's a joy to watch on screen. She's one of those actresses... Where when as soon as, as soon as you see her on screen, she's like Rita Hayworth. You know, oh, this is somebody who knows exactly what they're doing. Yeah, and I'm this, gonna, there's I'm gonna, everything in place. And I'm looking forward to when we get to the not sequel. You know that we will eventually get to. That's the other Spider yeah. Woman film that in the '40s Universal uh, to see how she is. And and because again, if I've seen that film, it's been years and years. I don't remember anything about it. So I'm gonna be interested to see how her. How the film, what it gives her to do in that film, and 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 what uh, how she is in that film. I'm sure she's good, but I just I'm going to be interested to see if. if I'm, what I'll bet, what I'll bet you've never like. seen it because it was very difficult to see for a very long I'm time. I'm guessing that I haven't. I mean, I'm guessing that I've not ever seen it. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the deadly breed of spiders that do her dirty work in this film. <laughs> yeah, uh, a species so poisonous that its venom drives victims to self destruction. That is, of course, bullshit. This species does not exist. I went out of my way and looked up the yes. entire species and its genus, and nope, don't mm-hmm. exist. They say it seeks out humans <laughs> as its victims. Yes. I love that. Yes. Oh. It makes it's totally nonsensical. I know. <laughs> I love How it. does it survive? Because well, exactly. I mean, what does it eat? Does <laughs> exactly. it eat humans? Why is it not eating the humans if that's its 
it's prey of I was sitting there thinking, I was thinking to myself, I was thinking, if, if, if this species doesn't exist, but it should have, you know, because I was, I was just thinking, I love this idea of this villain, you know, this spider that, like, yeah, you're right, because spiders, spiders bite, they, their toxin is to paralyze it so they can feed up. I mean, you right. can't do it with humans, so I love this idea of this spider who just hates humans and just like, wants to bite. That's just, just what he loves asshole, to bite Just <laughs> an anti-human asshole spider. <laughs> it's the it's the perfect villain. It's it makes zero sense, but he's going to kill you. <laughs> well, let me say, I, I, I don't, and I'm not, I'm not a arachnophobe, you know, I'm not a mm-hmm. squeamish in general about spiders, you know, so, and, I, uh, okay, yeah. and, and, and like, got, well, got, this particular, I was going to say, I got a little, I, I guess, like, this spider unnerved me because it's yeah. friggin' giant, and I know that, I guess these are wolf spiders or whatever, and all that, yeah, or, yeah, I know they that are. they grow big because I've got a cousin who's lived in Australia for years, and she talks about mm-hmm. But I swear when this I know they grow big because they taunt me from the corner of my bathroom. <laughs> fuckers. Well, when this spider starts, you know, coming down the the wall, mm-hmm. I literally thought for a second that they had built had miniaturized the set oh. just a little bit because I was like, they don't get that friggin' big, do they? I mean, because this is a real spider, and I thought, did they make this like slightly out of scale bedroom to make it bigger? Because nope. like God, he's. He's huge, you know. He's and so that actually, and now I think it is funny later mm-hmm. in the film when you know Holmes is getting the, you know, the the uh, expert who's not an expert, you know, to oh, yeah. to identify the spider. The box he holds up is like a matchbox. I mean, it's like it's way too small for that spider. You know, it's like that spider does not fit in that box. I know. Unless they get into a ball. Well, he does say this spider's been abused. It's like well, yeah, it's been, well, been, poor, yeah, it's been, been poorly handled. Well, I was gonna say yeah. Well, it's been ro- well, it must have been rolled into a tennis ball if it fit, fit in that box. But, <laughs> Anyway, uh, go ahead, Rod. I think. You were oh no, I just I, I think uh, I think the 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 use of of course in the speckled band the mm-hmm. the animal uh, being used is a snake, a poisonous mm-hmm. right, snake. Right. Uh, which you know, and the way it's play it plays out in that story makes a shit ton more sense because the 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 snake is being enticed into the room because mm-hmm. of the way it's been fed. Right. And therefore, it attacks the the human mm-hmm. because it's being enticed to crawl across the human. It it it, it wakes the human up. The human thrashes around, mm. snake bites. Okay, good. We're there. It, wh- how do you entice a spider to do anything at all? <laughs> well, it hates humans. It hates humans. It's a It's motivated by it's, the it's hate just, of the human it's race. It's like, oh, I'm going to give you such a bite. It's like that, that, strange, that strange strain of mountain gorilla <laughs> that hates all Tarzan. <laughs> yes, that loves white women, yes. That's, that's exactly. That's, yeah. Oh, my God. But, but the other thing here is, I mean, I understand that that's why they have to have the pygmy who crawls yeah. through the spaces yeah. to get the spider closer mm. to where it's, but, you know, and drop it out the right spot so it goes. But, Okay, it has to be hate because what if the spider's not if the spider's not hungry, yeah. she just wanders off the bed and just wanders around in the room yeah. and then you know looking for insects like exactly. spiders would. Like, you know, like I, I'm not particularly mad at this well, human right now. I think I'll wait till I get mad at the human and then I'll bite it later. I, I want to bring this up as yeah. a yet another one of those things that I thought were going to be bigger problems when I was a kid than when I became an adult. Mm-hmm. We've often talked about quicksand. And, oh, oh, and how, oh, as yes. a child, I yes. was taught that quicksand lurked around every corner oh, I believe and was just was waiting, totally, yeah. waiting for me to drop my guard so that it could leap out and kill me. Yeah. Quicksand was a deadly thing, and that I was going to encounter it at least five to twenty-five times in my well, life, mm-hmm. and I needed to be worried about it. I felt a little bit of of the joy of life seep out of me when I learned as an adult that if a tarantula bit you, 
it would just hurt but not kill you. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It, it took it took some of the I'll admit misplaced joy out of my heart yeah. <laughs> to learn <laughs> that tarantulas as hideous as they may look to an arachnophobe mm-hmm. they ain't gonna kill you no which he is but, i have to i have to squish okay. the spiders well, oh do you okay. i don't like well, i don't i don't spiders. like spiders because i do not have the 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 catalog of spiders that beth has in her head that allows her to go oh that one's okay leave it alone yeah or that was well, an evil one we must kill it well it's interesting <laughs> that the it's always amazing to me that the the most dangerous spider in this region is one of the most boring looking spiders you know now the black mm-hmm. widow at least has a little flare she's got her little hourglass mm-hmm. on the back you know but the black and brown recluse is like one of the most uninteresting looking yeah spiders and the poor tarantula's got such a bad rap because of the way it looks and they're also incredibly fragile you know I mean they're like yeah. eggs you know yeah. you break but but yeah I know Rod because when you find that out you realize you know so every TV show and movie I watched and thrilled at when the tarantula would come crawling up somebody's back uh-huh. and now I've like, got to go back and I see them now and I'm going to realize it's actually a harmless spider yeah, it's a pretty harmless spider when it's, yeah. when it's climbing up James Bond's torso yeah, you're just like yeah. well, it's not going to hurt him on Christopher Lee's shoulder and Hound yeah. of the Baskervilles and you know and like, Sherlock Holmes is like don't move you've got a deadly spider you know and it's no it's a tarantula no it's a tarantula it's fine <laughs> Tarantula's until, just until, like tarantula's just like don't hit me too hard I'm gonna break. Don't hit me too hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, so unless it's a, the thing suddenly becomes thirty feet across, yeah. you're fine. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah maybe even even then, problem. it might be okay. okay. Even it might not be. A, that spider probably would <laughs> die under its own weight. Oh, well, now oh, you're <laughs> one of those. Bring reality well, now we can't watch any fifties <laughs> okay, films. Thank you. Thank you. Fuck that tarantula and the black scorpion. It's all Sorry, yeah. Don't ruin the fantasy. Even the amazing Colossal Man wouldn't have worked. Oh my God, I'm sorry. I just couldn't breathe. No. Well, we've gone down a strange path, folk. I don't remember what we were talking about. We're we're talking about deadly spiders. The same thing with the the Black Widow. We're talking about the giant spider. Back to the The, giant spider. The Black Widow is is pretty poisonous, but... Yeah, that's true. true. But even if he had reached down there and got bitten once, he wouldn't immediately die. Because when they're in that scene where he says, those are very deadly, it's like, no. You could yeah. you could just you know there, there was that moment where it was like you could brush those spiders off that gun and pick it up and shoot <laughs> and, and shoot that bastard. Right <laughs> you need and oh, right, you need to shoot that bastard. Oh, but but he says and again we get and we knew I mean we shouldn't be too surprised that there is the usual misnaming of spiders as insects. It happens mm. several times yeah, in the film and yeah. that just that just happened yeah. right and this I mean you just almost expect that they're going to get that wrong because yeah, <laughs> he says those watch it Watson those those insects are deadly. It's like it's not an insect. Home. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really hard to say deadly arachnid. <laughs> it's a lot of lot of word. Nobody even knew that word until Spider Man came along. <laughs> and, that, and that's only because that's only because Stan, Stan, Stan like, Lee's yeah. trying desperately to he's like whipping out the thesaurus trying to find some other way to write this goddamn dialogue. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, Holmes and Dr. Watson visit the home of a well-known entomologist mm-hmm. whom the sleuth suspects is supplying spedding with her lethal pets but finds the scientist murdered in his study. Um, plus, we, but we do have to go through the little dance where the, the guy who killed him is actually pretending to be him, mm-hmm. which is actually kind scene. of fun. I like, I like I that. That's, yeah. Although, He's it, a sneaky little duck. Although entomology is not the study of spiders, by the way. Spiders are not studied yeah. by entomologists. Yeah. No, so anyway, not. yes. Entomologists would yes. be studying insects, yes. not spiders. Yes. <laughs> but, this, but, that, but I do like this scene a lot. It is very good. It, it is pretty great. And of course, this is when he finally figures out. And I do love this movie. Actually, has a fanta- a fantastic scene where we get to see that Watson's not the bumbling dipshit that he is so often portrayed in this series yeah. of films. Mm-hmm. He gets to that they they uh, they're looking around inside this this now dead entomologist's mm-hmm. uh, home, 
open a closet, and there is a representation of a skeleton hanging there in the closet. And Holmes immediately mm-hmm. looks at it and immediately assumes it's a child's yeah. skeleton. And and Watson goes, "No, it's not. A, it's not a child. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not even remotely a child." And he goes, "What are you talking about?" And he says. Well, he, he's got all his teeth. Mm-hmm. You can look at his chest and see how see how large the chest is in relation to the head. Medicine. This is uh, this yeah. is an adult. This is a small adult. This is not a child's skeleton. Mm-hmm. And it's like there we go. And this is when Holmes realizes how stupid he's been. Mm-hmm. How how the once again the female Moriarty has led him down the garden yeah. path and made him think he knows something he doesn't know. Yeah. yeah. And realizes that we're dealing with a pygmy and other clues that they've picked up in this guy's house. Mm-hmm. The partially burned notes. He he quit he. Finally, figures out that there it would have to be someone who is immune to the bite of this spider, the non-existent spider. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and only someone who lived in the same region could possibly be that. Okay, am I imagining this, or did it look like the skeleton was a real skeleton in silhouette, and then when they pulled it That's, out, it was flat? No, you're not imagining it. That's been pointed out before. Yeah, is that, yeah. that it changed for some reason? They had a, they had a, yeah, they had a three dimensional skeleton model in the closet. When they pull it out, it's a two dimensional, and, and yeah, I don't. I kept thinking it was something. Yes. It was my eyes playing tricks no, on me. Yeah, that's, no, yeah. that's actually been yeah from who knows why, but for some reason. That's what <laughs> that I thought. Just, I thought yeah. well, maybe that's just me, and I'm. No, no, you're absolutely right. Okay. That is, yeah. All right. Well then, I'm glad I'm not yeah, didn't didn't get by, bit by the spider that drove me insane. Well, playing a hunch, the detective locates Spedding's hideout, and this this is the moment in the film, much like the cruelty at the beginning of the film with Holmes faking his own death, even to Watson, and then being such an asshole when he comes back. I know being, he was a big being, asshole, being a dick. He's <laughs> really a, a dick. dick. Um, yes. But this is the moment where I feel like, okay, we needed to come up with a better way to to smooth over, you know, this discovery that it's got to be a pygmy to playing a hunch, as they as they put it in the Universal Horrors book, um, going to the nearest uh, carnival. No, because that's where. Because hey, that's really the only place you could hide a pygmy, right? It's like, <laughs> well, no, you could pretty much any good box will do. You know, anyway, go ahead. Okay, when they find the footprint, yeah, the footprint is looks like a ch- the the mm-hmm. footprint of a three year old. Mm-hmm. A pygmy would have a full size foot. It would not be. It would be roughly a it would, size five or six. Right, it would be like mm-hmm. a, a maybe a female size yeah. foot, but it would not be <laughs> a three year old <laughs> foot. <laughs> and, and I mean, literally, it was this long. It's like, all right, no, that's uh, yeah. In this film, that word pygmy's doing a lot of work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so they go to the nearest carnival because, of course, where else would the, where else would the the hideout be for these people? Because they've got a pygmy in their midst. They're gonna have like, to find some place. Like right? a pygmy, if it does, if it leaves the carnival for more than you know five minutes, it expires or something. Like it has to be in a has to have the smell of hay and 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 and, and cotton candy exactly. nearby, or it expires, dies, <laughs> it just dies off. Yeah. It does. And the tobacco stained makeup that. Um, yeah. uh, poor pygmy. <laughs> that, that, that actor, yeah. that actor I've seen in, a, in half a dozen things over the yeah. years, and it's just one of those things where it's like, so he got he, he got body painted and had to lay had to lay in a box. <laughs> That's yeah. the whole performance for him. Uh-huh. And they were, yeah, they really didn't do much they with it, much did they? Once you, I know, I was expecting no. there'd be some sort of bit of business with the little pygmy being trying to kill Holmes or Donald. Yeah, like with a knife or something. It's just like it's just like that pygmy over there, and then we've never seen again. <laughs> and then and you didn't see him doing his thing, you know, when they took nope. the box out to the no. top of the 
roof you don't see him yeah. Yeah. maybe they I don't know, maybe they had plans for that and then it mm -hmm. just didn't come to fruition well um and i've got to say that uh, we beth and i talked a little bit about this the couple of times we've watched the film in the past week i gotta say it's not just the we'll go to the nearest carnival and bingo we're going to wrap this story up in the third act here by just finding them right out there in the open. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to admit that I do find the wrap-up of this a little, not just contrived, but also a little... Stilted? Strange? Mm -hmm. Kind of, it doesn't completely work I, for me. I mean, it, stretch, it stretches credulity to almost the breaking point yeah. a couple of times. Yeah. This yeah. movie could have been better with a better ending. It didn't have any... The, the, movie was the tone was on it was oh good, really good, good actors good, good dialogue and then it, yeah. it just felt like the ending is it, is it the thing that and because I, I tend to agree with you in, in in principle there are some things that I still like about the ending but I think that I I, I get what you're saying it's that it feels maybe anticlimactic and also mm -hmm. does it feel did you have a problem with the whole contrivance of why she would put him in the why she would put him in the 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 what she does? I mean, where she puts him in the the shooting gallery there, mm -hmm. like like instead of just I mean, was it did it feel too much like the classic villain? Well, I could kill you right now, but I'm going to come it up with a. It feels like an episode of Batman from '66. Yeah, you know, well, it's I'm, the whole thing. It's the whole, like the whole thing that Austin Powers makes fun of so brilliantly, you yeah. know, and the whole you know the the whole you know it's like no, just you got to just shoot him and just it's shoot over. him it's right like, now. You know, put a like, bullet in his head. That's and this not is how it's done. That's not how it's. I, I think the only thing, and I don't want to be trying to, like pull something out of thin air just to defend, you know, a film because that did bother me too. Yeah. I will say this, I think the whole pacing of the whole climax is very well done. Like when it's cutting back and forth to oh, him. I agree. I and, agree. and to come back to whether Watson, you know, I think the editing and the pacing of it is 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 well done. But I think that of course, of course, I think they try to get around that by home saying, you know, someone as clever as you, you know, wouldn't resort to just a bullet in the, you know. Well, they, they're trying like, to they're trying to pull the same thing that he pulled with Moriarty. Yeah, it's like yeah. this is below, this is beneath you. Yeah, yeah. You know? and, and you, you've got to have you, you, you can't just shoot somebody like me. You've got to make it special because yeah. otherwise it would be an insult to you. Yeah, the thing that that I can Ooh. maybe seem a little bit more making sense is just the thing that with her character being as it is and the interplay they've had, I could almost see. Her wanting to give him another chance to just to see if he could like almost as a challenge to see if he could outsmart if he could actually get out of it you know yeah, like if he yeah. could actually because it's been such a game and she's treated it as such a game along the way yeah because she and, at, at no point does she ever think that she is going to get caught she right, thinks right. she's got the upper hand the entire time right well and, and I think it might have been better if. They had played it a little bit more like they needed um, time mm -hmm. to get away, mm -hmm. and that. But but you know then it you know you got a silent silencer. You could have done you, it with and the silencer. Don't get away. She and, stands there to right, watch them. Exactly. See what happens, and also it's you wouldn't even need a silencer because there's shooting going on. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. You could but, you could yeah. they could have blown his brains out against the wall and nobody would have noticed. Yeah. But yeah. the thing is, I mean maybe. I don't know, you know, forensics. Maybe he needed to die after they had an alibi, mm -hmm. and that would have made sense. Mm -hmm. And and yeah. because if they put him on the roundabout, eventually somebody's going to shoot him if he yeah. couldn't get out. You know, you know, he manages to get yeah. out. But you know, mm -hmm. e even if you know they had just left and said, well, eventually he'll get shot because mm -hmm. we got him so what well tied, but obviously not well enough. Yeah. Right. But yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's. Uh, I mean, it's definitely. 
not super smooth of a deal. I mean, it's problematic no matter how you cut it. Ooh. You know, it didn't not it didn't totally ring. You know, right to me the whole way that 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 contrivance there at the last is as much fun as it kind of is. There, are, uh, yeah, it so is fun. fun. It's pretty yeah, cool. I mean, you got, yeah, I know. it's very it's, cool that the setup with the yeah, the hole and the gong. Yeah, could have been something yeah, a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. And, but you just know that not everybody would have stayed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. An underling would have stayed to make sure he got shot. Yeah, while she got away, and then scooted off in a different direction mm-hmm. to misguide everything. But they wouldn't have. The whole gang wouldn't have stood out there and watched, you know, for entertainment. And also, too many times with the shooting. Mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. loved really, 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 really loved Sherlock that day. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah one, yes. once it would have been, but yeah, two or three times where, you know. Four, four where, times. Where, 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 yeah, where he's Talk about the gods of chance. And they always make a, yeah, because, I mean, they've always made a big thing about the fact that Watson is a good shot, you know. Right. And the fact that he gets, it just, you know, that he, he gets distracted too many times to not fire, you know. Exactly. They kind of played that out a little too, too yeah. many times. Yeah, because he gets distracted twice and then yeah. Oh, and he runs out of bullets. He runs out of bullets, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it would have been better if the first time Lestrade was tracking him and then he ran out of bullets yeah. and then he then Sherlock was free on the next right. time. Then that would have made mm-hmm. that would have yeah. been okay with me. I but they so. did it that was way it was yeah. way too many times for him to <laughs> go around and not get shot. Especially mm-hmm. because Let's see. Watson was on. He shot everything. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, he, he, he did everything. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk for a moment about this. is a This is another step in the series of almost being completely away from the reality of the ongoing Second World War. Mm-hmm. The only real indication. There's two things. Mm-hmm. Two things. And of course, the biggest is here at the end with yeah. this with this uh, rotating uh, shooting gallery where all the villains that you're shooting at are the leaders of the Axis powers. Mm-hmm. Very cool, very interesting. All right, no problem. And there, and that's really it, except for one little bitty thing that you can blink and miss or just take note of, but not it not register as that. When uh, Holmes comes in early in the film disguised as a postman, you will note that dangling from his bag is a helmet. Is a, uh, a, mm-hmm. yeah. a helmet, yeah. which yeah. means that because like all postmen during World War II, mm-hmm. he would have been someone who also was a spotter, who was yeah. someone who kept his eye out for the planes coming. That over was a good head. touch. I yeah, and it's yeah. Just, and they don't draw any attention no. to it there. No. And it's like until we get to that final scene, it would have been very easy to think that they're just going to completely ignore World War II in right. this, with, without ever referencing it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, they couldn't. They couldn't. They couldn't avoid wanting to have the the comical representations of the leaders of the Axis power yeah. being the targets to shoot at. And they kind of understand. I get it. Well, I think that uh, there's there's one one more thing before we kind of wrap up the 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 distru- the, the kind of narrative thrust of what we've been talking about here because we've just we've been kind of all over the place which is perfectly comfortable i uh, i mean what what else could we do right no matter how many times you watch this movie you're watching it for the entertainment value and and that kind of all becomes a big melange of different elements that you really enjoy and so jumping around is part of what we do here right but at the same time i do feel that the movie plays one sneaky little card yeah right. there, i want to hear there are two there are two of them that i really like one is the wonderfully subtle thing that happens there at the end yeah. where uh, as Holmes and Watson, everything's over with. Mm-hmm. The villains have been led away. I'll get back to that in just a second. But Holmes and Watson, uh, the, the capping seconds, the capping like last few seconds there is uh, Watson saying that he, he, he doesn't understand why these people who were so smart and clever would have thought they could have gotten away with murdering someone with all these witnesses around. Yeah. 
And Holmes explaining to him, no, 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 that would be the easiest thing in the world to have gotten away with because you're in such a huge crowd, almost no one would pay attention to you, especially with all the, the noise and everything that's going on. You would be, you know, these people would be able to get away by just losing themselves in the crowd. And the film shows the two of them walking away from the camera off into the crowd and you losing track of them in the crowd as the credits come up. Mm -hmm. I thought that was, I mean, I thought that's just, that's a brilliant visual explanation of what's being said to you verbally. It's really well done and just a really Mm -hmm. great ending for the film. But just prior to that, Holmes goes out of his way to have Lestrade not handcuff the Spider Woman as the other scumbags are being handcuffed and dragged away by the other cops. And that look that's over her face as she's being led, her arm, led away arm in arm with Lestrade makes me think, you know, if we were watching that character for the next five minutes, she escapes. She escapes. Oh, absolutely. She's yeah, because the first thing you think of is you left her with Lestrade. Of yeah. all characters, <laughs> you're actually leaving her. You're letting you're you're trusting Lestrade to get well, her to that. Well, yeah, not I mean, I think that. we all have that the same movie, thought. That, that final image of yeah. her looking up at him and with that just, that smile. smile. On her she face. knows that she's going to get away. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. and even in Lestrade, they're walking underneath something, and it's like one of those uh, one of those streamer things that goes across his shoulders, and he's yeah. kind of off, he's kind of yeah. like shaken up by that. It's yeah. like. Dude, she's not making it to the jail. No, she's not going to make it. She's going to con you. Yeah, yeah she is. Yeah. She, she is going well, to find a way to get away from him. I, I'll say one more thing about her performance too that I love is her character is that it, even at the last there, you know, like she never, never looks worried. Like I mean, no. she she barely loses. Like right at the moment that it's obvious that Holmes has its, you know, escaped. Her smile barely drops, barely even enough to, it's almost still as, but just barely enough to like, okay, you know, I'm done. But I mean, yeah, yeah there's never a moment where it's like, like, oh no, it's falling apart. It's just, you know, she's mm-hmm. never going to have, lose that she's confidence. She's composed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think that, uh, as I've said, I don't know that we'll, we'll, as we continue through the series, I don't know that we'll run across a better foil mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Uh, Holmes, mm-hmm. in the form of a of an actress mm-hmm. who can stand on yeah. uh, on the stage with him and honestly probably be judged at least his equal, if not his mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that's one of the great things about this movie is mm-hmm. they knew what they had when they cast her, and yeah. they take fine advantage of her. Uh, and I, I I just I think it's absolutely wonderful. Now, if you put on your shoes and socks, Auntie will give you a nice sweet. We have quite a way with children. Oh, I bribe him shamefully. This will be the third today. Would you believe it? American candy. Hard to get. There. Now mind you, don't get your fingers sticky. Cunning little beggar. One could almost tuck him into a suitcase. He must be a great comfort to you. Oh, he is. Cigarette? Thank you. Oh, what a lovely case. Yes, isn't it? I picked it up quite by accident. There wasn't a mark on it, except some... uh, Negligible fingerprints that the police couldn't identify. You may have it, Miss Spilling. Why give it to me? Should we call it a trophy of the chase? Oh, I really shouldn't. Breathtaking, isn't it? I owe you a great deal for this, Mr. Holmes. Let's take a look in Critics' Corner. Mm. The New York Herald Tribune, January 15th, 1944. Byline, Howard Barnes. Hollywood is running the great Baker Street detective into the ground. (laughs) Even with such props as poisonous spiders and and murderous African pygmies, the Spider Woman is a yawning show. Hmm. I don't know that I can agree with that. 
Um, the New York Daily News, January 15th, 1944. Bylined Wanda Hale. Need direction, atmosphere, and adequate acting. Adequate. Mm, wow. Uh, the story, if analyzed, hasn't a leg to stand on. It, it wobbles a little. It wobbles a bit. <laughs> Gail Sondergaard makes a delightful meanie. Yes, she did. <laughs> I agree there fully. The Hollywood Reporter, January 6, 1944. Fans of Basil Rathbone will find him at his best, for he employs a minimum of histrionics and lets a good story pretty well tell itself. Nigel Bruce also curtails the huffing and puffing and trails admirably after Holmes. How Miss Sondergaard can screen so beautifully and yet so menacingly is one of the delights of the film. Amen. Amen. Well said. PM New York. Uh, bylined John T. McManus. I honestly believe this current episode is better plotted in many ways than the speckled band, the Conan Doyle story it resembles most. That's my praise. <laughs> the New York Journal American. January 1944, bylined at G.E. Blackford. The current installment of the Master Sleuth serial is above the average in plausibility, suspense, and interest, and has been really quite well presented. Okay. Motion Picture Herald, January 15, 1944, William Weaver. Rathbone and Bruce push their expert portrayals to new heights in this number. Best of the series, in part because the screenplay by Bertram Milhauser provides solid material with which to work, and in part because Gail Sondergaard's performance as the Spider-Woman of the title is of quality and merit matching theirs. <laughs> the film stacks up as tops in its field. And that would, should really kind of be the final word there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that what I always come away from this film remembering is her. Mm -hmm. And those fantastic scenes between her and Rathbone, mm -hmm. I think they're yes. great. Yeah. There are other wonderful scenes in the movie. We've already talked about the, uh, the kind of morning scene. Mm -hmm. Between Lestrade and Miss Hudson and um, and Watson, it's great stuff. Uh, it also gives um, the the actress playing Miss Hudson the chance to utter one of my favorite lines of the entire series, that old saw: "That which can't be cured must be endured." Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's just one of those things that I think that it's almost another little nod mm -hmm. to what the British were going through in. The war at that time, right? Uh, but at the same at, at the same time, it's also a very broad statement and all one of those phrases that really kind of resonates no matter what time or place you're putting it putting it into. Um, it's a strong effort. This is our fifth one of these. Mm -hmm. um, it's not my favorite of the of the five so far, but but boy, it does it does rock, doesn't it? It does. It does. What it's do good. you what what do you think of it in relation to the others? Yeah, it's a. I probably liked, you know, the uh, Sherlock Holmes in Washington and, and faces death a little better. Okay. And then, you know, then, and of course, I'm not counting the pre universal that we haven't covered, you know, which, of course, were, were the, the. which. Oh, you mean the, 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 uh, the, the, the two produced in the late Right, right. Yeah. You know, which were very good, you know, but, uh, uh, but yeah, but I do like it a lot, though. I mean, I think it is, again, like I said, I, I was really impressed that it. it I didn't. I felt like it just moves along. You know, pacing was very well. As yeah. far as again, there's no fat on the film. I didn't feel like I didn't again not being any extraneous characters, no scenes that didn't belong. You know, I just felt like it was it was really stayed on pace, and that it's just a war between these two people. You know, it's just this oh. confrontation between these two main characters. You know, there and uh, really enjoyed that a lot. So yeah, yeah, definitely some little holes in the in the plot, little lapses in logic here and there, and then but uh, just a. A fun, fun movie though, and just incredible. Two, two stellar performances that carry it so well. A hell of a B picture, you'd yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
What about you, Beth? Where does this fall in the first five, at least? Because I know that there are uh, ones further down the line that you that you have that you have fonder memories of. But so far, what what do you where do you think? Well, are we watching this one? I'm like, I don't know. I, I really dig it, but it mm-hmm. may be because there's just a strong female mm-hmm. villain, and that may be what, what draws me to this one more. But maybe tops one of the tops for me. I mean, I really love the one. Uh, Faces Death. That's the one with mm-hmm. the chessboard, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think that's probably my top one so far. I really, after, up to this point, it would have been, that would have been my favorite. But mm-hmm. the, this one, I just, there's something about it that mm-hmm. I just love her. I just no, love she's her. Great. Yeah. And so she, that may be right up there with that one. Okay. Well, I mean, believe me, Gail Sondergaard is uh, a force to be reckoned with mm-hmm. as far as just mm-hmm. entertainment value, especially mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. particular film. So I can understand that a lot. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I'm trying to remember now what the next film in the Sherlock Holmes run of movies is. Uh, it's actually The Scarlet Claw. Oh, okay. And The Scarlet Claw has, you know, creepy gothic house, mm-hmm. weird claw-like murders, mm-hmm. like Wolverine trying to travel or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, uh, that, that, but that will be in uh, two episodes from now in this uh, series because now for the next episode Troy and I will back up and do the first two uh, Inner Sanctum movies but uh, yeah The Scarlet Claw that is one of my favorites of the series and that's the next one up so very much looking forward to that one and also once again even though I've seen all these movies this will be the first time I've really watched these movies with an eye toward trying to kind of rate them against one another and kind of judging them as to yeah. the qualities and pulling out the pieces that work and and really admiring the bits that that really sing. So this is going to be this is going to be uh, this is going to be a blast to to go back and see whether the Scarlet Claw stands up to my memories. Yeah, and watching mm-hmm. them in this kind of order and seeing how the yeah. series what twists and turns or how it progresses, you know, like it's, with the things I pointed out about this the feel that man they're really getting the feel for this this series and these characters and I want to see if that continues you know how much consistently they keep that kind of feeling and if it continues to be you know these kind of things where Holmes really and you know where it becomes really between him and the antagonist and and then you know how many of those versus the whodunits you know where we just have multiple multiple characters you know how many of those are and I'm not saying I prefer one over the other I'm just saying that it'd be interesting to see which ones fall into what category for me well also I think it'd be I I wonder if they may have thought that it'd be a good idea to kind of vary Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. type whether it was a whodunit or a Mm -hmm. howdunit Mm -hmm. and kind of you know keep the audience off guard a little but I gotta say I before rewatching this I'm not sure that this was one of my you know favorites but now it's like Mm -hmm. now that I've rewatched it it's like Mm -hmm. I just I don't remember her being that just phenomenal yeah. and now yeah. it's like uh-huh. you know when I've seen it again it's like oh yeah that might be one of the she's strong I mean yeah. When, yeah. when we were going through it for the first time uh, what was it about a week ago mm-hmm. just there, there came a point when, mm-hmm. when, when, when we're watching her face on screen and oh, going yeah. my god she owns this movie <laughs> yeah, she, really does. she owns every inch of this movie yeah, it's amazing <laughs> uh, but okay well um, oh, if I can I do want to say real quick, uh, you know, Rod and I said that we, we plan on doing these Inner Sanctum films, you know, two in an episode, so that basically we'll have three episodes covering the six films. But just recognizing that, you know, that I know that there there are people who are, are big fans of that series. If, if you are disappointed that we're not devoting single episodes to each film, uh, please feel free to send us, you know, to, to send us your contribution or your thoughts on the film if you oh, want yeah. to share 
in either voicemails or emails uh, that we can read on the episodes to contribute to the episodes if you feel like you you know that you you have a lot to say that we may not cover since we're combining two films per episode. Certainly, certainly. Of course, the first two films in the series are Calling Doctor Death and Weird Woman. Yeah. Uh, Weird Woman is, I think, one of the best of the series. It's mm-hmm. a fantastic movie. And Calling Doctor Death, I. I remember liking, but I can't mm. remember well enough to kind of... I mean, mm. Weird Woman stands out. Right. Uh, mainly because it was also uh, turned into a movie in 1962 called uh, Night of the Eagle or... Oh, yeah. uh, uh, oh, gosh, what was the alternate title? Oh, uh, Burn, Witch, Burn. Burn, Witch, Burn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, same story. Mm-hmm. Uh, just such a such a hell of a story. It's yeah. almost impossible to screw it up, I think. Yeah. So the next the next ex- uh, the next exit the next exit off the interstate <laughs> will be will be the Inner Sanctum uh, the first two Inner Sanctum films and uh, I have no idea what other shows I will be doing between now and then yeah. but keep your ears peeled I mean you never can mm-hmm. tell holy mm-hmm. crap there are different things yeah. different things on the burner and it's just whichever one gets recorded first that's how they come out so um, you're speeding towards your two hundred huh? can't tell if they'll have an invisible chimp with them. That's getting edited out. This guy's going to say you're speeding, speeding towards your 200th episode. And now you're not too far off from. I that. don't know. That's going to take a while to get to the 200th. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's. Man. But then again, I think about shows who do an episode every week. I'm mm. always just in awe of those. Mm. I don't see how they Christ. do it. 50, <laughs> 50 shows. 50 that's shows a crazy. Year? An edit? Yeah. I can't wow. get half of that out in a year. That's madness. Mm. Mm. Oh, well, okay. There's a couple of history podcasts I listen to where they're just. I was listening to one that's a Civil War podcast and then another one that's a History of England, you know, thing. And they're one of those where it hits every week. Yeah. And they're just meticulous. I mean, like the Civil War one, it took like 50 episodes to even get to the first shot fired. You know, I mean, they literally just go and it's just amazing and they've been going for years now they're up to like hundreds of episodes i mean they'll take Good you God. know and it's just uh, i admire it's a great show it's like i, I admire those people i don't know how mm-hmm. they do it you know mm-hmm. but they just yeah I, I don't either i i guess once you get the machine in place mm-hmm. and you're you're trundling down one particular path maybe it gets a little easier but i that is not that is mm-hmm. not the way <laughs> that is not the way i do this show yeah that is deep research it's it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's zigzag it's side mm-hmm. to side it's mm-hmm. oh what are we talking about shit wait let me think <laughs> So anyway, I would just like to once again thank Beth and Troy um, for being here. Well, for thank you, Rob. Thank you. Um, this is always fun. And yes, it is. Also, thanks to the people who are out there listening to us. God knows if you're still listening to us. I don't know why, but <laughs> I'm glad you are. If you have any comments or suggestions on any of the Universal Horror films that we're, we're covering as we go along here, or just the Sherlock Holmes films with Rathbone and Bruce, please drop us a line. TheBloodyPit at gmail.com is where we could, uh, well, we could hear from you and we could read your information out over the web and embarrass you publicly. So (laughs) keep that part in mind as well. So thank you for listening. Beth, Troy, thank you for being here. And we uh, we will talk to you again soon. Thanks, folks. Thanks. Remarkable woman. Audacious and deadly as one of her own spiders. Audacious? Stupid, I call it. Fancy trying to commit a murder in a place like this. All these people about. That's where you're wrong, old boy. In an isolated place, a cry for help or a single shot might very well arouse the curiosity of at least one casual witness. But in an arcade like this, people are bent only on pleasure and will instinctively disregard any deviation from the normal that doesn't immediately concern them. Yes, Watson? This spending deserves credit for picking the most logical spot in the world commit my murder. Oh? Where's that? In the middle of a crowd.
but now he's replaced by a new sound. <laughs>